Welcome to the sixth episode of Mages and Murder Dads. I'm Cameron. And I'm Danny. And today we're talking about uh, Baldur's Gate. Same as we're talking about every time. Yeah, we're talking about uh, we're talking about a video game and and we're recording it. Mm-hmm. And, and and here it is for you. And you know I have uh, at this point I have transcended the joke. Of not Googling other versions of this podcast, other podcasts about Baldur's Gate. I've transcended it. I'm not even going to make it anymore. You're not going to make it. You've so you've transcended it so hard, you're not even mentioning it right now. I'm, I would not even talk about it if you put my feet to the fire. Whoa. It would be That's illegal. Extreme stuff. So extreme. Mm-hmm. Extreme French cinema. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Alright, so we played last time, last time on the show, last time on the show, we went to the Iron Thrones, Iron Mine, Mm -hmm. how about that, how about that little bit they. That's how they can afford to buy, you know, build these thrones. Mm -hmm. It's cross-brand promotion, Mine Throne. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went all the way down to the bottom of that. And we knew to go there because of Tezok, who was not smoted. I mean, frankly, we knew to go there because of, like, a, this This enhanced edition is really, like, it beats you over the head with all the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot go from one area to the to a next without, like, some joker coming up and and shouting at you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's how I get everywhere my normal day-to-day. You're telling In me your that's regular weird? life, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so we go there. We go all the way to the bottom. Davorn was there. Davorn. It's got a lot of vowels in his name. Mm-hmm. And we killed him. And the last episode ended. Boom. Right there. Action moment. You leave him on a cliffhanger. It's like the end of a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. And this, in this case, the cliffhanger is a uh, dead wizard. I, that's every cliffhanger as far as I'm concerned. Dead wizard mm-hmm. equals. Uh, that's the end of the Brothers Karamazov. That's the mm-hmm. end of, I don't know. The movie cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Dead wizard. That's yeah. that's, that's uh, why he couldn't hold on to that. Uh... Well, no, that's how he was able to let go and fall. The uh, dead wizard caught him. Mm, broke his fall. John Lithgow. <laughs> um, but before we get into the, the deep plot-based information that we really care about here, what do you think a story meeting for this game looked like, Danny? I think it started uh, going around the table mm-hmm. and asking each uh, each writer, each you know story maker. Mm-hmm. No bad ideas, just to no get bad out, ideas. Get it let's out get it table. out there. Yeah. Let's get, let's brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have one person, one writer, one storyteller say something like, "You know what? I really want." I want some high fantasy stuff. I want, I want Elminster in there. 
I, w- I want to feel like I'm a part of a grand adventure and in the forgotten, you know, the forgotten realms. And they said, oh, that's cool. And then you go to the next one. That person says, hey, I want a, I want a conspiracy mystery game. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to I want to unravel a mystery. And then, oh, that's cool. And another person, you know, uses uh, his, his forefinger to like push his glasses up, up, up his brow it up his nose and and he says i want i want an economic thriller right like i i want uh i want you know markets moving and crashing i I want that kind of thing and so after they got all the way around the table they said well let's just do all of that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's let's literally implement all of these story ideas and we will meld them into one and and that then we'll all be happy they made like a mental map Mm-hmm. They brainstormed it out. They made sure it worked. And but the astonishing thing is because they, like none of that is exaggeration. <laughs> this is such a strange game. <laughs> like when I played it, you know, when I was younger, it I guess it did not bother me. I guess it doesn't bother me now, but it didn't stand out to me. How r- just impossibly weird this is that the whole game is like ostensibly about some a dude or a character who rolls around just doing whatever the hell you do in a fantasy world, but mm-hmm. all of that is supported by like other people doing trade agreements in the background. Yeah, and so when we get to the uh, the bottom of of this mine, we killed Davorn. We met his apprentice. I met his apprentice. Did you talk to the apprentice? Yeah, uh, a matter of fact, I think uh, last episode you talked about, you talked to the apprentice and the apprentice directed you to open a chest and that chest uh, killed you. No, that was a different person. Mm, yeah, that was, that that was, was in that was Tezok's in the tent. house. That yeah. was in the t- tent. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I talked to the apprentice. I didn't see the apprentice, uh, like, visually. I ended up wandering around a lot, and I'll talk about that in a, in a minute, but... Uh, yeah, I just like straight up didn't see him until I was standing right beside him. I thought he was my own party member for a while. Mm. Uh, but he's literally just a dude, and he's like, hey, uh, I was Dave Warren's apprentice. Don't kill me. And you can like kind of press him for plot details. He tells you all kinds of different stuff, but he's very direct. He's like, look, the whole point of this mine was to make sure that when the Sword Coast is panicking about the lack of iron that we could just ride in and save everybody. And I think he uses that exact language. He says, you know, we could we could literally ride in uh, and mm-hmm. save the day. So that's it. That's the whole plot of the game, basically. Thus far. Up to where I'm at. Yeah. through Like, even through this episode today. And that's the bizarre thing, right? Is you do this, and you've foiled the plot. Yeah, it's done. Right? It's done. It's done, and, and yet, dot, 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 like I guess the the implication is well this organization it's up to no good mm-hmm. so maybe continue to meddle in their affairs and see where that takes you keep on shaking that tree mm-hmm. and see, see what falls out and in that respect I think the game is actually brilliant uh, just because it, it it is the escalation that like a good D and D campaign requires right like it's a great well, you, like yeah funnel. you've got these. These mini resolutions interspersed where you think you, you've actually made a difference. Oh, you shut down the mine, but there's still the greater looming threat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But there's also, like, like I, I don't know if 2nd Edition or 2.5 had this kind of, like, uh, set of divisions to it. 
But in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, there's a lot of talk about, like, I don't remember the exact names, but it's like, levels 1 through 5 is the local hero, and levels 5 through 10 is the regional hero, and 10 through 15 is, like, I don't know, continental hero. And then after that's, like, the planar hero. Like, the, mm. the idea that, like, your sphere of influence gets bigger uh, the the more uh, advanced or progressed your character is. And I like that Baldur's Gate is, like, demonstrating that in a cool way, right? Like, you're only important in, little, in, like, the town up until this point. And now you're important to the region. And now we're about to be important to the city. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, that's fun. I think Fourth had heroic paragon and epic mm, yeah. tier. They mm-hmm. split it into three, but they. I like the way you're describing Fifth doing it. Um, actually specifying the geo importance mm-hmm. of your character. Yeah, yeah. It's much more like story based. Mm-hmm. As far as Fine. I think it's. It, I think it's only in the DM's guide too. It's not like mechanically focused necessarily. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. But um, so bizarre. It, it is bizarre. Mm-hmm. But good. Yeah, like uh, like eating French fries with mayonnaise. Yeah, like John Lithgow wizard. Like John Lithgow. Period. Oh, there you go. Not allowing people to dance in the Footloose town. Uh, throwing throwing stuff at a Sasquatch and the, yelling at it. Oh, John Lithgow did that. I'm 90% sure. Harry and the Hendersons? Yeah. Mm. Get out of here. Throwing, throwing he hated, things. He hated Harry. Yeah, but in that moment, it was really emotionally wrenching because you knew deep down he loved him, but he just needed him to go. Oh, that's the end of that movie. Yeah. And the, and then all of the other Sasquatches like appear out of the forest. And they're all like... That's some like real, that's some like emotionally scarring bad childhood shit right there. Yeah. So I'm glad that we were able to, you know, tell our audience about this to to maybe warn them about watching a mm-hmm. what a an early '90s mid '90s movie. Yeah. Check out our sponsored link for Harry and the Hendersons. Shout out to <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons uh, corporate for sponsoring this episode. We really appreciate that. Um, I, of course, now on YouTube we have to say when we're sponsored. So. Mm. That's uh, John Lithgow and Harry and Hendersons. That's what happens when you make it six episodes. Hey. You sell out at one point or another, you know? Yeah. You uh, you see yourself become the villain, just like... I'm, I'm going to tie it back in. Let's get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like this dude, Realitar? Sure. Question mark? Everyone's got a bunch of vowels in their name. Mm-hmm. But so in Dave Vorn's stuff... We, we see, uh, I found, a bunch of scrolls. There are a bunch of letters. And, like, for everybody else, the letters that we find are, like, communications of, like, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. For this one, this is, like, big level stuff. Yeah. It's, like, telling him how to run the mine and, like, how to make sure that specific organizations are being operated. Um, and so now I knew. I opened that up. I saw that guy's name. I saw this dude named Saravok. I saw the Iron Throne. All this stuff gets mentioned. Some upper-level players here. Upper-level division. It, this is the varsity team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I got the hell out of there. We talked at the end of the last episode. 
about flooding the mine and where we were on that position. And I'd already freed all the slaves. I did that. And I ended up wandering around forever trying to figure out how to uh, how to flood the mine. D- mm. Did you find that easy? Yeah, real easy. Because if you remember from last episode, I saw that door. Oh, that's right. And I saw it on the way. So I just went back there and popped in the plug and... Then a cinematic plate, and I appeared outside the mine. So this is even worse. I saw the door and talked to the guy, and I didn't realize I had to talk to him a second time. So mm. I like tried to interact with the door over and over again, and it wouldn't work. And so then I was like, oh, maybe I'm missing an item. And so I wandered around the whole complex, and I couldn't find the item. And I went back and like clicked on it some more, and I was like, oh, maybe if I save and load my game. So I do that, and no, you just had to talk to that guy a second time. Damn. Yeah, so I, I burned a good 15 minutes <laughs> doing that. But mm. I got to have a weird little dream. Yeah, I had this dream too. Uh, the dreams are getting more and more morbid. Mm-hmm. This was uh, a pretty a pretty bloody dream. It was all about blood. Tell me, tell me about the dream. Yeah, so basically you see this gargantuan torrent of blood that is virtually... Over the entire continent, or at least over the entire Sword Coast. And you see its, uh, you can sense its, like, you know, inner currents and, and whatnot. And you're kind of, you're caught in it, you're caught on it. And then you begin to realize, oh, well, I can, I can kind of direct this where I, where I want it to go. And then you kind of start feeling high and mighty. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just the captain of this little... This little ship, I'm, I'm, I'm real strong. I'm, I've got some mental fortitude. I can do whatever I want. And then almost, and then I think the, the dream says at the end, almost as if the torrent itself sensed your self confidence. A wave comes out of nowhere and like splashes you. Yeah, it gets blood all over you, and then you wake up. Yeah, there's, there's like a sweet skull. So yeah, this is some like high metaphor stuff. Yeah, like our previous dreams, you're just murdering people. That you'd already murdered before. That's pretty straightforward as far as dreams go, I think. This mm-hmm. is like some real metaphysics of, of blood stuff. So, yeah, I guess that we're, we're getting pointed in a direction here story-wise. There are two types of D&D stories. Mm-hmm. And in one type, you are genuinely some dirt farmer. And a huge part of the game is rising from your lowly station and becoming something special, mm-hmm. right? Hero's the, journey. Exactly. Out of, and the, then out of a, the dirt farm. Out of the dirt farm mm-hmm. and into uh, another farm that's better. Mm-hmm. The and celestial the, planetar <laughs> farm. Yeah. And the other type of story is you are special and you have to, and like the journey is figuring out why it is that you are it's special. It's getting to the dirt farm. It's getting to the dirt farm from mm-hmm. wherever you were, say mm-hmm. Candlekeep. Yep. Say it's like a book farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that these dreams and a lot of other factors are pointing us to the latter. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and already we've seen that a little bit. The guy who killed uh, Gorion had a little mm-hmm. bit to do with that. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so we're I think we're getting closer to a little bit of, a little bit of plot info that I think is good. That being said, um we set a goal to go to Baldur's Gate this episode um kind of because that's where we were getting pointed to. Mhm. 
Um, but I don't think Kunzelman and I were really, like, advancing that, the main plot this episode. No. Does, does, that, does that sound right? Yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> I yeah, I, I did too. Because I'm here. I am. I promised to smite a Tazok. That's like a plot important character, supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't make it very far in the main plot of the game. I played for several hours. Uh, yeah, and didn't and you didn't get a, a whole lot done. But I think that's okay because I think interesting things happened. Um, mm-hmm. But first, let's talk about a new segment of the show that I'm calling the Elminster Minute. Okay, are you ready for this? Well, what's this about? So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for exactly one minute about Elminster. Oh, cool. And uh, so yeah, I've been reading this book called Elminster: The Making of a Mage, or something like that. It's like the first Ed Greenwood Elminster book. And this is what I've learned about Elminster so far: A. Elminster was born. <laughs> he he was literally a dirt farmer. <laughs> <laughs> or he was like a, he was like a sheep a sheep herder, and lo and behold, I cannot believe I did not think about this at all uh, when you just said that a minute ago. But lo and behold, his father is a prince of a kingdom that has been overtaken by mage lords. And, mage lords. And Elminster didn't know that, and his dad retired and abdicated the throne. And the book opens with Elminster's whole family and village being murdered. By a mage lord, and so he swears vengeance to kill mage lords. And up till now, he's just some like crappy burglar kid thief. All right, Damn. that's all we know about Elminster so far. That was the Elminster minute. Oh man, that was okay. one minute of Elminster. That's all you get. You gotta wait for next episode. Wow. So, you know, but come episode five hundred. Mm-hmm. As we're working our way through, you know, I guess the expansion of Baldur's Gate 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, these these minutes will accumulate. It'll be 500 minutes. Yeah, that's a lot. That's probably one whole book. <laughs> yeah. So I swear like, to God what I just said, that's the first five pages. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Greenwood really, like, he, he goes through it pretty quick. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, fun. Well, so, so what did you do? Instead of advancing the plot forward. Well, I just started working my way uh, towards Baldur's Gate. You can't go directly to the city. You have to explore two little areas first. Mm-hmm. They kind of like get you there. The first is a little uh, kind of little rural area. Um, there's some fishermen. There's a pit in the middle. There's another farmstead. Mm-hmm. And that leads to a bridge area. And you have to cross that bridge uh, to get to Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. It's called like the Wyvern's Way or something like yep, that. Yep, Rin's Way. Oh, right? okay. Um, but yeah, so that's more or less how I started. But before we get into that, I know everybody, everybody listening. Um, I hope you know if you don't know what Balthazar's party composition is, I implore you to. Uh, to listen to the rest of the series because if i mean like statistically if you've gotten this far you've you're probably going to listen to the whole episode i don't know i think we have a lot of people who listen to episode five who did not listen to episodes through through four well balthazar is a one much like that uh john mayer song he's walking like a one-man army 
and that's that's his party composition. It's just Balthazar. Mm-hmm. But w- before we continue, what is what is uh, Ticklevar's party composition mm-hmm. right now? Uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to this before, Danny's character is named Balthazar. My character mm-hmm. is named Ticklevar. His is a barbarian, mm-hmm. half orc barbarian, right? Mm-hmm. And mine is a, I want to say human. I don't actually know what his his race is, but a human sorcerer, which has been a real struggle so far. It's getting mm-hmm. better, actually. Um, I took the advice of a commenter on our last video, thank you so much, uh, <laughs> who said, hey, maybe uh, quit having your sorcerer doing melee combat and uh, give him some ranged weapons, some darts, and I'm doing really good now. Like, real wow. good. I didn't die a single time. Well, who'd have thunk it? Who would Well, uh, literally anyone, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but one... Uh, one viewer who's paying close attention, viewer slash listener. So, uh, Ticklefar's party composition is, as decreed in the last episode, Ticklefar, Dinahir, who is a mage, uh, Minsk, who is a fighter ranger, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, that other ranger, whose name I cannot remember. Kivan. Kivan. And then I had Khalid and Jahira. But after the last episode where Khalid just, like, I don't know, ran away. He was cowardly Mm -hmm. multiple Mm -hmm. times. I was so mad about it that I spent probably a full hour of playtime this time getting rid of them (laughs) and then going and getting Branwen. Uh, So Branwen, if you remember back to our episode about the Nashkel Carnival, Branwen was turned to stone. And uh, if you turned her back, you got to keep her. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's a weird way of putting it, but yeah. I, look, there's some back, heavy trafficking stuff happening. She, here. No, no, she pledges herself to mm-hmm. helping you out because she wants to um, to kill Transig. Mm. And Transig was the person who was like the intermediary between all the uh, all the different uh, bad guys. Sure. So I've already killed him, so I don't actually know what's gonna go go on with that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if, if that's like resolved for her or not. Um, but so she's a cleric and uh, she's rad. I got her in full plate mail. We're we're doing it. That's awesome. I hope that because you have already killed this person, I hope that in the middle of combat one day she doesn't just say, "Well." I guess you aren't going to cooperate with me. And then she just turns, wills herself back to stone in the middle of combat. <laughs> I fully expect that the game uh, <laughs> will remove her forcibly from my party um, for not completing her mission that I've already completed. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that will occur. Um, but so then, also, like I said in the last episode, I went and got Viconia. If you allow Viconia in your party, because A, she is evil, which I guess is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, she is being pursued by the Flaming Fist, and C, she is a drow, which is like a, a dark-skinned evil elf. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of problems, which is the basic concept of the drow, I think. A lot of racism in the Forgotten Realms. A lot of racism, a lot of like uh, our world structural racism imported into the Forgotten Realms without a lot of reflexivity, maybe. We could say Ooh, that. yeah. Maybe um, a lot of a lot of things like associating dark skin tone with pure unadulterated evil. Maybe that's a problem. Sure, um, things like that. But um, also a lot of like very unscientific things about why you would get dark skin t- 
colors in a utterly subterranean I don't know, mm-hmm. right? There's like I don't know what the science behind this is, but I don't think anybody ever really thought about that. This is our uh second new segment called uh the Drow Minute. Where the we... Drow Minute? I thought this was we were getting very close to like weird Forgotten Realms bio truths for like a <laughs> hot minute there, but whichever. No, uh but yeah, so the Drow are an underground. They're from the Underdark, which we will see quite a bit of in Baldur's Gate two. That's mm-hmm. a little that's a little like preview for next year. <laughs> um but uh so yeah so so when you add her to your party she is immediately uh or she causes you to suffer a two reputation drop mm. just just by like hanging out with her and she's really nice to begin with like viconia in in my mind it's i guess i have a better impression of the Baldur's Gate two viconia because she shows up again and she's she's like got a lot of dialogue and she says mm-hmm. lots of stuff, and she's like kind of mean and sarcastic and and funny. Um, but in, she, in this game, I like I rescued her from the flaming fist, who were pursuing her, and uh, she was just like, "Yes, thank you, you saved my life." And then when I added her to my party, she was like, "Surface dwellers are stupid." Mm. Yeah, that's like her little like bark thing that she did. So hmm. yeah, well, you know, you've got a first impressions are what's important, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's uh, nine-tenths of the law, I sure. think. All right, so that's what I did. What did yeah. what did Balthazar get up to while I was running around the Sword Coast finding new buddies? Well, I went to Onkeg Town. What, uh, what? Okay, so A, what's that? B, where's that? C, what's an Onkeg? Well, let's start with C. Well, I, get, I ordered them that way on purpose, but okay. Um, well, I don't know, wh- like, what's that? Well, mm-hmm. Onkeg Town is a t- the town of Onkegs, okay. and I feel like just saying that without knowing what an Onkeg is is hard. But B, it's in that little zone just south of the bridge to Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. It's right smack in the middle of it. Okay, it's a hole in the ground. I saw it. I and, walked and, by it. Yeah, yeah. It'll be in the video right here somewhere. In typical Ticklevar fashion, you looked in that hole and you're like, well, that doesn't seem necessary or safe. Mm-hmm. And then you just strolled past I, it. I paused for a minute and then I walked on by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just rolled down there and they are large burrowing bugs. Sounds right. That is what a Onkeg is. They have big mandibles. In Baldur's Gate, uh, when they pop out of the ground, they just kind of burrow up. And they don't really move around, so if they if they want to move, they gotta like burrow back down, and then they'll reappear hmm. somewhere. And they spit acid at you. And no, not not at me. Well, they spit acid at one mm-hmm. if one is nearby. And Balthazar scored his highest critical hit against one when he hit one for fifty five. <laughs> uh, so why are you killing those things? Well, I just went in the hole, and they attacked me, and I defended myself. Hey, well, it seems like you went into their town. Well, I was looking around. They didn't have a sign that says keep out. I, are they capable of speech? Well, that's kind of that sounds like an Onkeg problem to me. Oh. Um, okay. Well, so you did that. Was there any, yeah, there any there treasure? Was a, yeah, there was. Actually, it's very strange. Every Onkeg drops an Onkeg shell. Mm-hmm. Which weighs a ton. They like weigh twenty or fifty each. Yep. Can't carry very many. 
Um, and they also drop a piece of jewelry. Every single one will drop a piece of jewelry. Um, like a necklace? Know, like a necklace, like a ring, yeah. Hmm. I don't know what the explanation for that is. I don't know if it's like a loot table gone crazy. There is a, a little hidey hole of treasure in the in the northeast corner of Ankeg Town. Mm-hmm. And there is a corpse in it. And like the second I saw the corpse, I was like, well, there's a farm nearby and some dad's lost his kid. Oh, God. So, is that Chuck true? The, yeah, 100%. I just chuck the corpse on my shoulder and walk out and like do a quick little spiral outward and there's a there's a old man brawn i think and he's like have you seen my boy and i was like uh let me get out of this dialogue and then reinitiate yeah i got your boy dang yeah bummer right Mm -hmm. um i don't even think he like had a reward it was just like i'm really sad the reward Um, was uh the knowledge that that you gave him his own knowledge of his child being dead. This is a lot of knowledge. That's mm-hmm. a real knowledge bomb. It's a little, um, little chain, yeah. Fun fact about the Onkegs, and maybe this will give you a little bit of motivation. This is really to... a fun fact. Yeah. Okay. You can take that shell to Baragost, give it to the blacksmith. Uh. Um, you've got to... You've got to, when the dialogue option, you got to do it right. Initially, he offers you like 400 gold for the... Uh, Onk egg shell, mm-hmm. and you got to be like, ah, I don't feel like parting with it. And he's like, Well, I'll give you, uh, look, if you give me four thousand gold and the Onk egg shell, I'll make you some really great armor. Dang. Is and it, is it better than full plate? It is. I think that it's plate armor, but druids can wear it, and it's way way lighter. So it's it's a really good option for like a cleric like Vaconia with low strength. Mm-hmm. Because it's incredibly lightweight and it has a low strength requirement. Gotcha. I don't think. Yeah, so um, I did that and uh, barbarians can't wear plate. Oh. So even though druids could wear this, barbarians still cannot. It's very bizarre. Yeah, uh, Branwen is decked out in full plate and like a shield and everything, which is cool, but also can only carry like 13 more pounds a year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so she has been carrying jewelry and potions. Mm-hmm. Do you have the jewelry um, bag? Mm-hmm. Oh heck yeah, dude! You buy do that. You have the, do you have one. the do you have the potion satchel? No, I don't have a potion satchel or a scroll case, and I'm not sure if there is a scroll case in this game. There is. I oh, have okay. all three. Dang, where'd you get them? So I got the scroll case from that wizard in Hedge Keep. Okay, you got to just buy it. Mm-hmm. And I got the. I think I got the... No, no, no. That might have been the potion case. Okay. And I think I got the scroll case from a character. Like, I, hmm. Did I get the, the jewelry bag from that wild mage, maybe? Like, there's... I think the wild mage, when you recruit her, she has one of those items. But would you have recruited her with your current Balthazar? Um, I did not, but she was killed by those uh, red wizards. <laughs> you stood by and watched her die. Well, it was kind of like, and to be honest, it was genuinely. She was just like one, like one out of ten times, she just dies in that fight. Hmm. Um, I don't know where I got it. I think I bought mine, but it's okay. good to know the other ones are in there. Yeah, those were not in. If memory serves, they were not in the original Baldur's Gate one. They might not have been. They or... were in Baldur's Gate two, and now they've been imported back. 
they are a huge quality of life uh, improvement when you only have one character, let me tell you. Yeah, if people are not aware of these, what they are is, uh, so normally like each gem would take up one inventory slot, and I guess you've got like what, 24 inventory slots? Somewhere around 20 there, inventory yeah. slots. And uh, so what they are is they are their own inventory slot, and you can just put stuff inside of them. I think they're basically like a uh, like a shopkeeper. Like it's the same interface. Correct. And you can just like drop them in there. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you, from your inventory, you can pick up a gem and just click the gem bag, and it'll just pop right in there. Yeah, I have like $400,000 worth of gold or of gems and stuff in there. I've yeah. never taken a thing out that I've put in there. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of like weird amounts of money, so I have an embarrassing amount of gold at this point. Yeah, I haven't spent any. Um, I've spent a lot, and I still have a lot because I got the robes of the evil arch magi. Me too. And you saw those sell for ten thousand gold. They do. And I did. And there you go. And now I'm rich. <laughs> yeah, are you, are you gonna retire now? Mm-hmm. So, Screw this Iron Throne business. I'm going to. I'm going to Icewind Dale. I'm buying my own Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna buy the biggest Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in it. Damn. So you did that. You went to Oncake Town. Before yeah. I got to that part of the game, I uh, I met this dude named Ted in the woods. Huh. And Ted was just telling me stuff, and then he was telling me to go to Firewine Bridge, like everyone else has told me to go to Firewine Bridge. So at some point, I'm going to go do that side quest, and I'll report back. Okay. Because that's where like the Halfling Village is and all of that. Oh, man. I don't even know about that. Yeah, it's somewhere. I don't actually know where it is, but... Um, uh, multiple like commoners have mentioned it to me. Okay, so, but you went to Onkeg Town, and yeah, after, and, and then you saw after a priestess. That, I, uh, well, I saw some fishermen. Oh, there were three of them, and they were arguing, mm-hmm. and they said that uh, that this. I think they used the B word. They did well because Umberly is called canonically the Bitch Queen. Okay, so they weren't just slurring. No, they were. That's the weird thing about this. The first instance, there's being jerk faces. The Mm -hmm. second time, they're using the proper name. Okay. So it's a weird... both and. Yeah, it is a both and scenario. But yeah, so Umberly, I think she's... Her domain is like storms and the sea, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, And... So yeah, they're saying, oh, she's really messing us up, and she like drowned two of our buddies, and um, it's and the you know who's responsible? This priestess, this person who's real real mean, and could you please take care of this? And I said, well, look, if like there's just some some priestess that's drowning people, I'll go check it out. Mm-hmm. And so you got to go north um, to the bridge area and, and her little hut is to the right and i go and talk to her and i'm like hey these fishermen sent me to figure this out and i find out that like probably half of the quests in this game the person that sent you on the quest is really the bad guy right yeah i would say like a theme yeah basically anyone who sends you to do anything is only giving you partial information sure and I don't um, know why that would be true. It's like as if you couldn't check. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a very strange like set of assumptions. Maybe what I, I my assumption like from a development perspective 
would be that, you know, the different chunks of the game, different areas of the game, developed by different people. This is a cool way, or at least an interesting way, if used a couple times, to complicate the quest narrative, right? Like, oh, sure. you know, you go somewhere, oh, what you think is true is not true, it's more complicated, you gotta make a morally gray decision, right? Like, that can be really cool, and that gets used in some really cool ways, uh, at least in Baldur's Gate 2, if not later in this game, right? Yeah. Um, but it feels like there wasn't a lot of, like, confirmation between those sectors of writing and development. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, everyone used it a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. That, or maybe we are just being run through a simulation the game has, you know, devised mm-hmm. to simulate being the most naive, you know, Dang. 20-year-old from... Candlekeep, who's never been exposed to the world. Oh, right? I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That like that someone who's grown up in a land of milk and honey and old books mm-hmm. would just be very trusting of the first thing that someone said. Yeah, that could be true. Yeah, I buy that. But yeah, so I the the priestess sets me straight. Hey, this these guys like stole my special bowl, and they're misusing it. And uh, and they killed my mom, literally. Mm-hmm. They killed my mom, and they stole her bowl. Did you look at your journal for this? I did not. So I did. I don't remember why I did. Uh, maybe I was trying to figure out what the next stage actually was, because I kind of clicked through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the journal, it said that she was 12 years old. Yeah, you did not. T- you could not tell that. Like, there are children models in this game. Mm-hmm. But she was a fully grown model from mm-hmm. what I saw. So what uh, what did you do after that? Well, I went back and I told him, hey, I know what your deal is. You guys stole her bowl. So give it back. And they're like, well, I guess we'll give it back. And they did. <laughs> and then I brought the bowl back. That was pretty, that's pretty uneventful. Yeah. As far as it goes. They just gave it up? Yeah, they just gave it up. They did say, hey, you know, we're working for Talos and... That's another god, oh, kind of a storm god. It is. Like a Thor-type figure, mm-hmm. like storms and warriors and such. So there are a lot of gods and goddesses in the in the Forgotten Realms uh, world, the Forgotten Realms universe, that have... There's a lot of redundancy in divine domains. So you'll have these kind of turf wars that gods participate in, you know, like... Umberly's a little bit of storm. Talos is a little bit of storm. Well, who's the real storm god? Mm-hmm. So they have these rivalries based on those things. Yeah, I was looking really quick on my Googles here. I'm pretty sure that Umberly has like a sister. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it gets a, like, there's a very particular, like, uh, when we get to this point in Baldur's Gate 2, where we do the cleric's quest or whatever, mm-hmm. um, we'll get to refer back to this moment, because Umberly is very important for that, too, and so is Talos and Helm. There's like a mm-hmm. little little uh, like power rivalry that goes on between those three. Yeah, tune in for our lore episode, X episodes from now. Mm-hmm. We'll edit X to be the correct number. I won't do that. Post. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Uh-huh. So, well, before before I fill you in on how I handled this quest, which is mm-hmm. definitely a thousand percent different, 
we are doing a lore episode. We, oh, so I'm not just making that up. I mean, not on Umberly in particular, but have you started reading your book yet? We have, and it starts with gods. Mm-hmm. So we will definitely be talking about them because that's kind of what the trilogy is about. Mm-hmm. If you need a if you need a long lead up for this, if you want to be able to read these books along with us and talk about them in like X number of episodes, I'm going to go back and change X to the right number. Uh, then uh, you should read the book. What is the first one? Shadowdale. That's correct. Shadowdale in the Avatar trilogy. I've, mm-hmm. I've and, and we'll include, mine. I guess, some links in the description of this video. Mm-hmm. That, like has the has the links to like a an eco friendly bookstore near you where you can get that book used to you know for the minimal environmental impact and mm-hmm. also yeah or an Amazon link whichever. So back to the fisherman quest. Yeah, you did it differently. What'd you do? Uh, so I I go up to her and she tells me, "Hey, uh, you're doing this wrong." And I go, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and give those fishermen the what for, but first I'm gonna go in your house and see what's in there." So I uh, go in her house. I kind of rummage around. I cast knock because I don't have a thief to like unlock anything, and so I've got my, my wizard. And she uh, she unlocks some stuff for me, and I find some diamonds. I think some like it's some good loot. I go back outside. I'm ready, and uh, she's she just aggro's me like as soon as I come outside, and then my party kills her immediately. Hmm. And then I just wandered away. I didn't bother going back to the fisherman. Well, there you go. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I I went in her house and I broke into everything too. I yeah and I don't, that did not happen. I have no idea what happened or why. Uh, she was not uh, hostile when I went inside, so I don't know. I have no idea. So yeah, there was a point where she did attack me too, and like I got her to half health, mm-hmm. and that's when she broke down and told me the news. Yep, I did that part too already. Yeah, yeah. Um, weird. Yeah, I don't know. There's a video evidence mm-hmm. of me not being in the wrong. Maybe knock is really loud. It could be. It could sound like uh, I'm trying to like terminate her from inside her own home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that. I mean, that make me wary. Mm-hmm. Well, darn. All right. So you crossed the the bridge, right? Or did you do other stuff? In. Nah, I think I. Well, I went back and I I turned um, that onkeg, ca- uh, casing that mm-hmm. onkeg uh, shell into armor, and then I realized I couldn't use it, and I put it in my barrel in Baragost. You have Baragost. A- Let's explain that real quick. Yeah, there's a barrel in Baragos that I keep, like, extra stuff because I only have one inventory because I only have one character, so... Like, I got a pair of boots that give me uh, electricity resistance, and I don't want to throw those away. What if I need them one day? And it's just a barrel that you throw your crap in? Yeah, and no no one else... Well, I feel like everybody knows not to look in it. Because you would smash them into tiny bits? I think that they've seen what happens. Yeah, they probably heard it from miles away. From miles away? <laughs> Is that thunder? No. It's just Balthazar on a quest. Mm-hmm. He's just smashing orcs to death. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, so uh, so you didn't talk to the Ankeg woman? It's like standing in the middle of the street? Oh, yeah. No, I talked to her after I killed every Ankeg in that zone because I did a spiral thing. Uh-huh. And she's kind of like on the she's, center. She's right in the middle, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, good job. 
And then she, like, gave me 75 gold. So I guess that was a bonus. Hmm. Yeah. She, she's like an Onkeg forester, if you pay attention to what she says. Yeah. Because they're good for the crops. They poop. They. Well, they, why is she paying me for killing them? Because uh, you're only supposed to kill, like, 60% of them or something. Mmm. You're supposed to... It's a control burn here. Yeah, it's exactly. She explains it. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a single Onkeg, but I did talk to her, and then I ran away. Because I didn't want to deal with any of it. All you had to do is, like, go 20 feet to the east. I didn't do that. There would have been two. I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, scampered on across the bridge. Mm-hmm. Over to the titular... Baldur's Gate. Whoa. We are finally here. Somebody take a picture of uh, how how long it took. (laughs) What's our time stamp here? What, 40 40 minutes or so? Mm -hmm, Who knows? mm -hmm. Well, it took us this long because I didn't do very much here. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the next episode. Baldur's Gate expansion episode. Mm -hmm. Really just getting in the city here. Yeah. But, uh, all right, so so the first thing that happens is uh, a guy comes out. Yeah, well, says, a door is blocked, and you have no choice but to interact with Talk to human. the guy. Talk to the guy, and he says, where are you from? And I said I was from Baragost. Because you have I a little option. I said Candlekeep, I think. Oh, yeah, I don't want people to know I'm from Candlekeep. And so this dude comes out, and he says, hey, my name is Scar. I'm the Flaming Fist, second in command. Mm. And uh, I think... Uh, there's like all kinds of bad stuff going on here and I need an outside agent to help me out. Hmm. And so he says, you need to go to the Seven Sons Trading Coster. Sidebar, I have no idea what a coster is. Yeah, I knew right after I read that, I was like, well, if we talk about this, I'm just going to say the Seven Sons Trading Group. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've never seen that. Any, but anyway, Seven Sons Trading Coster, because... They've been acting weird. They've been selling off their valuable properties. They've been ignoring the properties that they have. It's just like bad business for everybody. And so Scar's like uh, just unhappy about it. And apparently the dude who owns the trading coster is like one of his friends. And so he went to talk to him and that guy like blew him off in a weird way and it freaked him out. So he can't officially investigate them. So, because that would be a huge waste of government resources to investigate. Based something. on based on the story he just told. Well, there's a business and my friends in it and it's acting weird. <laughs> so let's open a multi million gold investigation and mm-hmm. audit it. Yeah, it's No, a- that would be bad. You would you would need to get a group of outsiders because they at least they wouldn't like tell on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no interest in telling on anyone. But interesting enough. In the middle of that conversation, there is a prompt to, like, info dump on him everything you know about the Iron Throne. And he just goes, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, I did the- <laughs> so the Seven Sons trading coster. <laughs> yeah, I did that, too. He's like, boy, well, that's above my pay grade, mm-hmm. so, hmm. Well, whatever. So, anyway, I agreed to do that, and that's, like, kind of the next big chunk of the main quest. Mm-hmm. is to go do that. But I walked into Baldur's Gate. I was like, heck yes, I'm going to do some side quests. Let's do it. And I go inside, and guess who's there? Our old friend, Elminster. Again. Again, one more time. And he says, hey, uh, are you uh, a murderer, or are you, are you cool now? <laughs> but he says it in, like, seven dialogue boxes 
mm-hmm. in the most like roundabout way, and he even like references, "Oh, your your stepdad, your you know your godfather Gorion. He he really hated the way I spoke because it takes forever for me to say what the things that I mean." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, boy, I can tell. And yeah, no, That's it's bad. factually correct. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, yeah. You can, and it's really weird the the conversation. You can only re- respond in like a huge jerk way. You can be like "shut up, Elminster," or you can be like very nice. Yeah, and I don't want to mess with Elminster. No, like at we've, all. We've talked about this. I think this was like episode one. We yeah. talked about this. Zero interest in that. So anyway, I do that. I kind of wandered around a little bit there, and then I talked to a thief who was hanging out in the street. And he was like, hey, I'll give you 50 gold to come talk to my boss. And so I said, I'm going to talk to your boss. I mm-hmm. need that. I need that. That I was going to say paper, but tiny metal bits. I need them bits. Mm-hmm. So I went and talked to the Thieves Guild. Did you do this quest? I did do the quest because the uh, the thief's the A, the thief is just the, the first big quest giver you get when you enter Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. Like if you just go on the main road. And B, because... You were like, do the do the Thieves Guild quests before mm-hmm. we started recording. So I did I say did. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of seeded that be, in there. Let's be transparent. All right, well, you tell me uh, how did it go for you. So, I talked to, I guess, the, the leader, or at least a general of the Thieves Guild, which, if you don't know about D&D tropes, every city has a organized crime unit, basically, that everyone knows like exactly where they're headquartered, but they still get away with everything they do. It's a very confusing institution, these guilds. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this fellow says, hey, we need you to get these components for a special flying machine that this mage, Oberon, is building. And that's more or less like what I get, and like his daughters have them, and maybe you can like sly talk them. Oh, wait, it. so it's not Oberon. We we need to we need to have a factual intervention here. The mage's oh, wait, name no. is oh, Chandelar. Oh. That's right. It's it, but they're being kept in Oberon's mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Chandelar correct. is the name of a plane in Magic: The Gathering. I'll be damned. I don't know what to do with that information. I don't know what I'm doing with that information. But I recognized it immediately. Hmm. It was very strange. Anyway, so yeah, so there's a Halruin there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, yeah, they stole the plans for this. I don't want people flying around in our special Halruin skyships. That's right. So you got to go get this. It's like a book, a statue, and like a an artifact. Yeah. Like so, a stone. Mm-hmm. So you got to go get them from Chandelar's daughters. Yeah, and you're kind of said they, they they tell you, hey, you've got the uh, you know f- feel free to use any resources we have in the guild to complete this task, and I'll give you ten days to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't look talk to anyone in the thieves guild. I go outside, find uh, Oberyn's house, which is like in the center of the map, like one one little zone over, and I walk in and. There's a, looks like a maid there. How did you get inside? I walked in the door. The door was locked for me. I used my sword. Oh, because you can smash things apart. You can smash them open. I'm very strong. And Mm -hmm. I think that, like, if I so chose, I could, like, go berserk and then use my sword, and then it'll probably open. Dang. 
I had my wizard blasted open with knock, and then I Damn. thought, oh no, we might get in trouble. And I like stood around for a minute, and nothing bad happened, so we we went in. Mm-hmm. And I posed as a new hire, like janitorial staff for mm-hmm. the manor. Mm-hmm. And I went up two stairs because there was nothing below those two stairs. There was like nothing on the ground floor, nothing on the second floor, um, except the Oberon. Like of the titular Oberon Manor, and uh, I go up to the third one, and there are uh, three women up there, and they they're having a conversation that I'm kind of like eavesdropping in on for a while, and they're like they're super bored. One of them's super bored about having to like watch these artifacts, um, and another one's like, "Hey, you need to you need to chill out and be patient, like our other sister," and you know they have a, a little talk, and then they say, "Hey." I know who you are. You are not a servant. And you have three dialogue options. And the first is, give me the fucking artifacts or I'm going to murder you. Right? That's the first one. I tried that the first time. And two, and three guards spawn if you do that. And then you have to fight the three sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is, um, oh, I, I really am a servant. Please don't mind me. I'll leave. In which case, they will attack you. Mm-hmm. And the third one is, hey, I'm not here to steal anything. I will pay good money for those artifacts, in which case they would attack you. So, them's, them's the the situations. So, yeah, so say. you get attacked no matter what. I wonder yeah. if you, or at least in the way that both of us did it, I was also attacked. I wonder if you have a thief or if you have a character that is invisible, if you can just wander on in there and grab it. You could also, you can uh, apparently, I remember from my older playthrough, if you talk to more thieves in the Thieves Guild before you go, you can get tools, information, resources on how to like win them over. Hmm. So it like Mm -hmm. unlocks some dialogue options maybe? I think unlock dialogue options or give you you some item that would trigger a dialogue option, something like that. Okay, okay. So, I think the first time I just said I'm not a servant, or I am a servant. I'm 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 not the I'm not a thief, mm-hmm. and they attack me, and I just murder them, like real bad. And uh, then I'm like, well, this seems weird. So I'd like reload and try the other options. And the first option is inherently worse uh, because when you kill the guards, you take reputation hit. You take like a total of fifteen for the for the three guards, I think, and it's like. 10, then 5, then 0 for some reason. Hmm. Um, so I reload and I don't do that. So I kill them all and I find the artifacts somewhere. I can't remember where the artifacts they're were. They're like all in a desk. Yeah, they're in the desk and in the same place and there's some like coin there too. And then I head back to the Thieves Guild. So, th- so we're like in line here. We're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I did the same. Yeah, the, my fight was, I think I had to do it two times. It was, it, it was a lot easier than a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was a much easier fight than 90% of the ones I've done so far in this game. Which is unusual for three spellcasters, right? Because they're all mm-hmm. spellcasters. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think something about like having the double cleric and two wizard, like sorcerer and wizard. Like, we're able to put out a lot of damage and status effects very quickly. So I like hold personed one of them immediately uh to kind of lock it down and then i like double magic missiled another one 
like to death immediately. Kivan could basically one shot people with his Damn. plus one arrows. Yeah, he's he's brutal. He's got like a plus two longbow from something. Shit. Oh, it's the plus two longbow from Tezok's, uh, the archer that was in Tezok's tent. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, uh, Kivan is, like, definitely doing 60% of the damage for my whole team. <laughs> uh, Minsk is double, is dual wielding, uh, m- plus one maces, because he's mm. got proficiency in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right, I've made some weird choices, but yeah, it was much easier than normal. So yeah, I go back to the uh, Thieves Guild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I talk to the person that gave me that, and they're like, yeah, a little rough around the edges, which is like an indication that, hey, there was a way to do this quest mm-hmm. without killing people. Um, and he said, yeah, talk to that uh, that Halloran Mage to, to get your reward. And then the Halloran Mage is like, well, it's so... It's so, you know, inconvenient that you killed these people because I'm going to have to, like, eliminate it, all the loose ends. And you're a loose end, sucker. And then, <laughs> then he casts, like, mirror image and starts casting spells at me. So I have to go berserk and then kill him. Mm-hmm. And I killed him super easy as well. Like, mm-hmm. uh, all of my fights in Baldur's Gate have been maybe the easiest fights in the game for me so far. Yeah. Also, this is post party composition change, right? Yes. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, chicken or the egg, maybe. And then the real fun thing, so after I kill Halloran and I, the Halloran mage and I loot his body, and I go back to the, the leader of the rogue thing, and I say, what is the deal? And he's like, yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't going to defend you or anything because he's really powerful, but man, if you can kill that guy, you just have the run of the place. Yeah, I love that. He was like, if you can kill that guy, I'm not even going <laughs> to... I think he actually says something like, you could probably kill everybody here. Mm. He's which pretty you, Which you can, funnily enough, because the first time I went to the Thieves' Guild, I had not yet talked to the fellow in the street. Mm-hmm. And I did not know the code word. And I got it wrong. And then I asked again. And then I got it wrong a second time. And then the thief attacked me. And then I said, well, let's see how this goes. And I just went into the Thieves' Guild and murdered everyone in there. And it was not difficult. Dank. Yeah. So then I reloaded because I was really, like, well, Really there's... putting the title in our title. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. And the kind of uh, cruel twist of fate irony with regards to the main storyline that we haven't really gotten to. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh boy. And we'll find out. We will. We will. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I had it. Did you do anything else? No, I didn't. I uh, I did get a story hook and this is like a hook I'm going to that I'm just going to mention here and it's in the story in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I talked to someone on the street who told me that there was a like a mage someone. I think it's a mage named Ragefest or Ragefast. Mm-hmm. I I can't read my own handwriting where I wrote it down. And uh, he's apparently enslaved a nymph and is keeping her in his home. Hmm. And so that seems like some some real. We were talking about these like weird. Uh, uh, like someone tells you something, you go there, and the information's different. Uh, those kinds of quests. This seems like this is going to be one of those quests. The nymph is actually in control of Rage Fest. I don't know something something who knows so or it's just genuine like an evil an evil wizard an e- oh yes an evil wizard 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it could be. Could go, could yeah. go either way. I'm going to find out. So that's going to be. We'll all find out. Well, no, I'm going to find out. I won't tell anyone. Okay. I'm going to write it uh, on a little scroll. I'm going to put it in a bottle. I'm going to throw it in the ocean. Or we could talk about it next episode, and you could just beep beep all of that out. Oh, I'll do that. Just like mm-hmm. eight solid minutes of beep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to be the first thing uh, I talk about in next episode. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it for this bye week. Yeah. For this and 10 day. I guess if you are following along, I think next episode we'll probably end up uh, doing a little bit of that... Uh, a little bit of that Seven Sons trading coster mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. We're gonna and maybe like maybe like a side quest on the side, you know? Yeah. Like there's do... there's so many side quests in Baldur's Gate that if you just do the main storyline and then you do the side quests after, like there might be more side quest content in Baldur's Gate than there is main quest. Mm-hmm. There's quite yeah. a bit. There's quite yeah. a bit. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, if you're playing along, next episode we're going to be doing the trading coster and then a couple side quests and. After that, I have a pretty good idea of like what the game looks like up until the end now. Like I have mm-hmm. that that's kind of etched into my memory better than the early game is for some reason. But yeah. Cool. Uh thanks so much for for listening. Um if you enjoy this, please share it with people. Uh we we're really surprised by the kind of response that we've gotten, especially for that last episode. But we're really impressed every single episode. We really appreciate all the really nice comments that we get. Um, and we like talking to people in the comments. That's strange. Historically. Very strange. Who would yeah. ever want to talk in the comments? But I, I enjoy talking to the people that uh, listen and watch the show. So thank you for doing that commenting. And yeah. uh, thanks for watching and listening. And uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, uh, this is something that's worth uh, thinking about. Um, I think for the last episode of Baldur's Gate 1, I want to do a thing where uh, people write in and tell us the best stuff in the game that we missed. I think mm. I, I think it'd be cool. Just like things that we did not see, that we didn't talk about, and then we'll mm-hmm. just talk about it then. We won't experience it, but we can talk about it. Okay. No, that sounds really great. And uh, to piggyback a little bit off of what you were saying earlier, um, we we do really appreciate the comments. And, you know, I was looking around the internet um, the other day mm-hmm. and you know a lot of uh a lot of commentary on youtube videos is is pretty rude oh and yeah? i was telling councilman man the people that comment on our videos are so nice and are such great people mm-hmm. and we really appreciate it mm-hmm. they're not rude they're not they provide helpful gameplay tips Sometimes game-changing tips. It, truly game-changing tips for many of us. Did you know that acid uh, interrupts is, spell casting? Yeah, That's this is crazy. from Reddit, but yeah, I had no idea. Blew my mind. How great! Mm-hmm. It is. So anyway, yeah. Thanks uh, for doing that. This is our five minutes where we talk about this. If you really like the show, uh, sharing it on Facebook, sharing it on Twitter, sharing it on Reddit, sharing it on the forum of your choice. That's actually really, really big. Telling one person that you think might like the the show, that they might like it, and to listen to it, that's really, really big, too. Like, those little things, we don't spend any money on advertising for this, of course, and I just tweet it out, and uh, it goes up on Reddit. So those are the only things that, like, 
we do to make sure it's going. And that's that's really cool. But uh, literally taking 10 seconds out of your day to post this is like really, really big, actually. So uh, we really appreciate that when people do that. Um, and the Harry and the Hendersons sponsorship only goes to so far, you know? Yeah. They, look, that's, that's chump change as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. Uh, that's for like, that's the kind of stuff that like a bean who doesn't wear pants would be okay with. Who? That's, I'm sorry. That's, that's Harry. That's not the Hendersons. That's okay. Yeah. He doesn't wear pants because he doesn't have to. He's a, he's a Sasquatch. Like Donald Duck. Well, okay. (laughs) He's like Donald Duck in that he doesn't wear pants or he's like Donald Duck in that Donald Duck is a Sasquatch. Well, let's not even entertain the latter. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but yeah, so we'll see you again, or talk to you again, or you'll hear this again in two weeks. Thank uh, you. So, uh, I'm Cameron. And I'm Danny. And this was Mages and Murder Dads. So saith the wise Alondo.